This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. It's the amazing Rico Bronia podcast with your host, Evan Roberts. All right, everybody. Welcome to... Uh... Rico Bronia, very sad Rico Bronia. Obviously, we all know about the Edwin Diaz news. I'm actually driving back from the afternoon show with Craig. I was sitting in massive traffic, and Pete and I are like, let's just talk about Edwin Diaz. I'm already agitated. Why not be more agitated and talk about it while sitting on traffic or in traffic on the West Side Highway? Uh, Let's start with what happened on Wednesday night. Obviously, Pete and I recorded the Rico Bronia unbeknownst to us, this was going to go down, talked about a lot of things that really feel all irrelevant now. And I don't know about you, Pete. I had the last few innings on of the Puerto Rico Dominican Republic game. And if you notice FS1 switched to the team USA game and when it switched to team USA, I just lazily never found FS2. I just figured out ah, this game's over. I'm going to watch the USA game and subsequently, I passed out within about five minutes of the switchover to Team USA. So I was just out cold sleeping and slept through the night, got a good night's sleep, which rarely happens these days. And I woke up to 48 text messages. And the first one I saw, unfortunately, was from my dear partner, Craig Carton, who writes, Edwin Diaz done for the year. Good morning. And I wasn't sure if he was effing with me or not. Like, I, I had no idea. So, obviously, I see by the other messages, without knowing how or why, just, oh, my God, this sucks. We're cursed. Edwin Diaz. And I still had no idea what the hell happened. I got the text from Pete saying, hey, <laughs> this is how I knew it happened at night. I get the text from Pete saying, hey, do you want to re-record? <laughs> And I'm getting this at like five o'clock in the morning. So did you think I was dead, by the way, Pete, when you text me this and you're getting nothing back? I figured you were either sleeping or you had turned off your phone and decided to watch a nice TV show with the wife. It was one of those two. Yes. Yeah. and, And by the way, I feel bad because, look, the one thing about a podcast that's so different than live radio is that, you know, you're on live. Whatever happens, you react to it. You do a podcast. There's always the risk that something can happen, you know, over the course of that night or real quick to make it outdated. Now, nothing we talked about on the last Rico, if you haven't heard it, is technically outdated. We're just not talking about the one thing Met fans want to talk about, which is the panic over Edwin Diaz. So I did feel bad about that. But, dude, I was stunned this morning. I'm reading these texts. I'm trying to digest it. I finally see the video of it. And 
I think I had the same thought everyone had who saw it last night or on Wednesday night, and that was, he's done. Like, there was never a part of me that had any optimism. Now, there was a moment where I went on Twitter about an hour later and said, maybe it's not worse. That was kind of like my prayer for optimism, not necessarily believing it. And obviously, based on every response I got, I think every Med fan thought the same thing, which is, he's done. He's done for the year. And and look, there's a mix of being selfish. We're Met fans. Uh, we root for the laundry before anything else. But then there's also the part that makes you feel bad for the human. Edwin Diaz did not want to get hurt. And Edwin Diaz crying after this happens and you know, having to be wheeled out on a wheelchair is just sad. So there's the emotion we have as fans and how brutal this kind of injury is. You know, the feeling that we have as Met fans of we can't have nice things. This always happens to us. Woe is me. And all also obviously feeling bad for Edwin Diaz. When you saw it now, did you see it live, Pete? Like, what was your kind of finding out moment about this? So, like you said, like, they did flip over. So I was watching the USA game. I was, dude, we were locked into the game. Because even if you go back to the other podcast, I haven't mentioned, like, I just watched Francisco Lindor hit it inside the park home run. So we were, I was watching it. But they did flip over. So I kind of just was, I was editing the podcast and I get a text message from one of our uh, part-timers Manny and he goes oh no Edwin Diaz and I'm like what are you talking about and I flip on to find FS2 and I see everyone huddled around Edwin Diaz and I'm like what the F and I'm looking and I'm seeing them kind of like carry him off and I see that like and the whole thing was just awkward too because you're trying to carry him off and he's getting he's uncomfortable then they're dragging his foot. I'm like, are you hurting his leg more now by what's going on? They put him in a wheelchair, it feels very like odd, like it feels very like they weren't prepared for this moment. And instantly though, regardless, I, the, the same thing you said, the season his season's over. No matter no matter what the outcome is, if it's an ACL, if it's a broken bone, kneecap, whatever it is, ankle. The season looked like it's over for Edward Diaz, and it sucks because the all I thought I actually saw on Twitter prior to him going to this happening was, "Oh, I'm so happy the trumpets are back. People get excited about his entrance, and it's so good to be that be back." That's the last time we're going to see Edward Diaz and the trumpets in 2023. Yeah, dude, it's it sucks. I mean, it just it, it really, really sucks, and that's the emotion I have about this. There's a lot of anger that people are expressing at the WBC and we'll, we'll address it. You know, I'll give my opinions, not really defending the world baseball classic more just defending that. That's not the reason he got hurt, you know, to look at this event and say, that's the reason Uh, to me, look, you can get hurt doing a million different things. We've seen a lot of freak injuries and this is a freak injury. And I want to be specific about what kind of injury I would blame on the world baseball classic. Cause there are injuries. I would say, Hey, this is a problem. This is because of the WBC. And I want to be real specific about this because not all injuries are created equal. A guy jumping up and down with all of his teammates. Cause they were all jumping up and down in a light celebration. Cause it wasn't a wild jump up and down. It was a very casual jump up and down. Something I've seen the Mets do after walk-off wins a lot. So it's not uncommon. That's a freak injury. That's an injury that could have happened two years ago when Luis Rojas was doing that 27-out drill and everybody was celebrating the fake world championship the Mets won. You think I'm kidding, but I'm not. I mean, that's how he got hurt. He got hurt jumping up and down. 
But before this World Baseball Classic started, there was a concern that the Mets had about Edwin Diaz. If you guys remember, they were concerned about him pitching on back-to-back days. They thought, wait a second, it's spring training. He hasn't thrown a lot. It's still March. Is that safe? And by the way, legitimate concern. That That is absolutely a legitimate concern. A guy, and Max Scherzer hit on it, and we talked about it briefly on the last pod, about Max saying, I'm not ready to throw those kinds of stressful pitches in the middle of March. I totally get that. And that is the only part of the World Baseball Classic where I'll buy, hey, that guy got hurt because of this. If a guy is reaching back to throw harder than normal because there's a 2-2 count and the bases are loaded in two outs, eighth inning of a tie game in the WBC, yeah, that's a pitch he's not throwing necessarily in spring training. And maybe your arm's not ready for that. But Francisco Lindor's triple the other day, if he got hurt on that play, I would say, hey, look at Gavin Locks. You could get hurt rounding the bases no matter when you do it. So I do think there are things about the World Baseball Classic that you can look at and say, hey, that makes me uneasy. And I think that's a reason why a lot of American pitchers have not pitched in the WBC. I think that's a reason why Garrett Cole isn't there. Max Scherzer isn't there. Justin Verlander isn't there. Insurance wouldn't cover Clayton Kershaw. So I get that. I don't want to portray it as I'm naive to the fact that this event could cause injury risk. But what happened to Edwin Diaz on Wednesday night is a fluke. I mean, I could sit here all day and talk about other fluky injuries. How about Kendris Morales years ago when he was with the Angels? The guy that's a walk-off home run, and as he's jumping on home plate, he breaks his leg. Or Francisco Rodriguez accidentally stepping on a cactus. Or Mike Soratka, uh, unfortunately, and I, I feel bad for that kid, Mike Soroka when he ruptured his Achilles a second time, and I think this time was when he walked into the locker room. Like, these things are flukes. And so I know we live in a society right now where there's, we got to blame somebody, we got to be mad at somebody. There really isn't anyone to be mad at. And, And if my fellow Met fan, and I understand there's a lot of people listening who don't like what I'm saying, and that's okay. You want to make me the boogeyman? Fine. You want to make the WBC, the boogeyman, you can do it, but understand you're wrong. It's not the boogeyman. It sucks that Edwin Diaz got hurt. And I ask you this question. If Edwin Diaz got hurt walking into the locker room in Port St. Lucie, Florida, because he was excited he won a ping pong game against Justin Verlander, would it make you feel better? If Edwin Diaz got hurt on the mound, In spring training, would it make you feel better? If Edwin Diaz got hurt playing the 27-out game that Luis Rojas set up two years ago, would it make you feel better? Because quite honestly, nothing's going to make me feel better. The guy got hurt. It sucks. He's not going to be here this year. But if it's going to make you feel better to blame the World Baseball Classic, I guess you could do it, whatever works for you. But I think you're nuts. Pete, your thoughts? The only thing I will disagree with you on is one minor. It's very minor. Edwin Diaz in this situation was doing the right thing. Like he actually got off the mound and was handing out like a professional like he's been there before. And his teammates came and I don't want to say they attacked him. 
but they kind of got in his face and they kind of got on the jump. So he like he wasn't even celebrating. So like that's that's my issue. I'm not blaming anybody because they're excited. They moved on to the quarterfinals or whatever the hell the WBC. But like he actually was doing the right thing. So that's where my frustration lies a little bit more of like he actually handled it well. It was his teammates who got excited, and they kind of got him to jump up and down, and then that kind of led to whatever freakish injury happened. Now, on the other hand, we I think I've heard the same argument from other people. Well, was does this mean that it was going to go eventually anyway? Yeah, I listen, man, I don't know. There was a doctor who called in, Craig and I, today, and I asked him that question. I said, is this or was this a sign that maybe he had a weakness of that tendon where this was inevitable? And the doctor said, maybe, maybe not. Like, I don't think there's an answer to that. You know, I, I, I'm not a big believer necessarily in fate. Like, if it didn't happen here, it was going to happen there. I don't really know. I don't know. I, I just think injuries a lot of times are very unfortunate. And sometimes we look for blame. You know, even if it's, a, you know, a Tommy John surgery situation, sometimes we say, well, did the manager use him correctly? No. Did the organization abuse him? Were we too careful with him? And I think sometimes with injuries, we just have to accept that it happens. And a part of winning a championship, two things. Number one is overcoming injuries, and there are a lot of examples of it, and I'll get to them. And then number two is being lucky enough to be healthy. Lucky enough to get through a season where you're not ravaged by injuries that can ruin your season. So I think those two things are just a part of getting through a 162-game season. And look, the other thing is this. The Mets' chances of winning a World Series, are they worse today than they were yesterday? Of course. I mean, they they lost the best closer in baseball. I can't minimize that and say it's no big deal. But the idea that the New York Mets have fallen down all these notches and they can't win this division and they can't win a World Series is, quite frankly, I think it's lunacy. I really do, and and I'll be specific on why. I thought last year, coming into the year, what made the Mets special was DeGrom and Scherzer. The thing that made them unique was having two aces at the top of the rotation. Now, ultimately, those guys pretty much failed them down the stretch of the year, failed them in the series against Atlanta, and more so Scherzer than DeGrom because Jake won his start, failed them in the wild card series. What it turned out, Pete, is it wasn't our starting pitching that made us special, and it wasn't our offense that made us special. What made the Mets truly unique was Edwin Diaz. That they had not just a top closer, but a closer that was so dominant. And all you had to do is look around at the other postseason teams in the National League and the American League and say, who are their closers? You know, the Philadelphia Phillies had acquired David Robertson. They were using Sir Anthony Dominguez. They were using various guys. The Braves had Kenley Jansen, who, other than when the Mets would face him and he'd dominate us, was average. The Dodgers couldn't trust Craig Kimbrell. Josh Hader was a problem. Pete, you remember, I remember you saying it to me on the pod. I'm worried about Josh Hader. Ryan Helsley was the closer for the St. Louis Cardinals. Uh, the Yankees, the Yankee closer. Clay Holmes was great, and Clay Holmes was bad for a few months. Emmanuel Classe was the only guy that was even close to Edwin Diaz's level. So when the Mets were headed towards the postseason, and it turned out not to matter, I'd be the first to tell you, and it's a reminder that sometimes it doesn't matter, the Mets' closer 
and who they had in the season he was having was what made the Mets special. But all those other guys I just mentioned, they were run-of-the-mill. And so what the Mets now are is they're like everybody else. Honestly, could I argue the Met bullpen is as good as the Phillies bullpen and the Braves bullpen and any other team in the National League you want to look at? Who's the closer for the Dodgers this year, by the way? I think the Mets are right there. Now, the Mets have a lot of questions. Can David Robertson repeat what he did last year? Can Adam Adovino repeat what he did last year? Can Brooks Raleigh be healthy? Is John Curtis all of a sudden going to be a big impact guy after missing time to injury? Can Drew Smith take a step forward? Like, I acknowledge that the Mets have a lot of injury questions, but you know, a lot of bullpen questions, but you know what that makes them? That makes them everybody else. Not worse than everybody else. Not a team that can't win. That's ridiculous. They just lost what made them special. And again, that's a big deal. But it's not the end of the road. And I heard from my fellow Met fans today, and I, I don't want to say social media is the answer to all or phone calls to WFN is the answer to all. But I heard some of my fellow Met fans say, we're done. That is idiotic. That's not understanding the sport. Or... It's just being too emotional. And I don't blame any Met fan for being too emotional. I'm not calling you idiotic. Trust me, I'm idiotic many times. I'm just reminding you about the sport that we love. And I'm going to remind you about this. Who was the closer for the National League champion Philadelphia Phillies last year? Who was it? Sir Anthony Dominguez, Corey Knievel early in the season, David Robertson. Who was the closer for the Houston Astros. Ryan Presley, very good. No no knock on Ryan Presley. Who was the closer for the Atlanta Braves when they won the World Series in 2021? The answer is Will Smith. Who was the closer in 2020 for the Dodgers? You want to say it was Kenley Jansen? I would tell you that he blew game four and that two other guys got saves in that World Series. Two other guys. One being Julio Urias. If I asked you who was the closer in 2019 for the Nationals, I'd remind you that in the postseason it was Sean Doolittle and Daniel Hudson. Who was the closer in 2018 for the Red Sox? Hey, look, here's where I'll take my L. It was Craig Kimbrell, and he was damn good. Who was the closer in 2017 when the Astros won the World Series? Well, it was Ken Giles, but guess what? A.J. Hinge didn't trust his ass in Game 7. That's why he basically used two starting pitchers to seal the deal. Who was the closer for the Chicago Cubs in 2016? A guy they traded for in July. And by the way, that guy didn't get the last three outs in Game 7 of the World Series. He blew Game 7 of the World Series. So my point to you is if anybody's going to tell you that you need a dominant closer to win a World Series, they're either lying to you or they forgot. And I think forgetting is probably the answer. I don't think people are purposely lying to you. They're forgetting. And trust me, I forget sometimes too. I forget that Will Smith was the closer of the Atlanta Braves. And don't take this as a pep talk of, we're going to win the World Series. I'm not telling you that. I'm telling you that this is something you can overcome. That's what I'm telling you. What made the Mets special is what we lost on Wednesday night. Now we're just like everybody else. And that means David Robertson needs to have a big year. It means Brooks Raleigh and Drew Smith and John Curtis and Jeff Brigham and somebody they get in July and Daoka, 
may have to come up and make an impact. And guys we're not even thinking of may have to come up and make an impact. Who knew Clay Holmes was going to step up and look like the most dominant closer in the American League for the first half last year? Nobody saw that coming. So I am not, I am certainly not going to sit here on this podcast and tell you the season's over because I'd be an idiot or I'd be lying to you. It sucks. It's bad. It's depressing. It's not fun. Woe is me. This is not over. Listen, I will say this. The one thing that, I, I, and I agree with you on, on pretty much everything there, I will say something that going into the season, people probably weren't happy to hear to begin with because we haven't even gone through our projections yet. But I was not going to pick the Mets to win the division. I thought they were going to take a little step back as far as, um, not saying that they're not as good, even with Edward Diaz, not as good to win the division. Not, they, they are, but I just felt like the division was not saying, not saying it wasn't important, but the expectations are they're not going to win 100-plus games. They're going to win 95, 96. That's still good, still a good season. It's not the division. So I assume that to begin with. But there's no question that they should be able to get with the get to the playoffs. And Edwin Diaz, where you're you're right. He does not define this team. And we had a podcast about the depth of this bullpen. How guys, we couldn't find a spot to bring in Zach Britton, who they were going to audition because there was so much bullpen depth. Who were you not going to bring on the team? Now we've had some changes. We've seen Zach Green's gone. Um, There's been the injuries and stuff like that. And now Zach Britton clearly makes a team. Or it will probably be added before you know it. Or Corey Knievel or whomever it is. But there's still plenty of depth on this team, and they're still all very interchangeable. Adam Adovino was just as capable in the ninth inning last year as he was in the eighth inning. So you can still you still have people that are flexible. There's no there's no one set closer on this team. And that's not a bad thing because the baseball is changing too. It's not just a you're the seventh inning guy, you're the eighth inning guy, you're the ninth inning guy. Now it's about bringing people in situational spots. So this is perfect for what RMO. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't say it's perfect. <laughs> no, it's <laughs> no, 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 bro. I, I get what you're saying, and it, it, look, this bullpen last year was made better because they had a guy that Buck could unleash at any moment to get three outs in the eighth, three outs in the ninth, or dare I say, five outs. They had a an atomic weapon. And Edwin Diaz. And they're not going to have that this year. No one in this bullpen. And maybe Edwin Diaz himself was never going to replicate what he did last year. Now, maybe he would have been able to do it. Maybe he was going to go on an Eric Gagne-like run for a couple of years. But realistically, it was going to be very, very tough to do that again. I think that signing Zach Britton is fine. I think it makes perfect sense. Bring him in. Buck knows him. He knows New York. And he he has something that you kind of touched on, Pete. He's got closer experience. And right now, David Robertson obviously has it. Adam Adovino, like you said, did it numerous times when Diaz was asked to pitch the eighth inning. It is valuable to have multiple guys who feel comfortable getting the last three outs of a game. And so adding Zach Britton, I'm good with. I I think that the first few months of this season, and I would not rush to make any kind of crazy trade, mainly because I don't think a crazy trade is out there. I think the next few months are about kind of finding guys. 
obviously the guys that are already there, the veterans that you're trusting, but even some of the younger guys who are going to get opportunities, whether it's Steven Nagosik or it's John Curtis or it's Montes to Oka at some point, or it's, dare I say, Tyler McGill going back to the bullpen at some point, which I would not do for a while. I think he's a big part of the rotation depth that they have. Maybe it's Joey Lucchese going into the bullpen. So I think that the first few months are about just trying to make it work, you know, trying to figure things out. And then come July, the Cubs are a great example of it when I brought them up from 2016. If there is a gaping hole, you're aggressive and you try to trade for somebody. And by the way, the guy you may try to trade for is probably not even a guy we're thinking about. Because a lot of times with bullpen arms, guys come out of nowhere. Who would have thought about David Robertson last year? You know, David Robertson was coming off a big injury. So I think that this method the Mets are going to have to go through over the next few months, it's first take a deep breath, okay, and remind yourself that while this sucks and it's bad and woe is me and we all feel bad for ourselves and it's going to suck not having Edwin Diaz at City Field, it's about let's see if guys can step up. Let's see if David Robertson can replicate what he did replacing Mariano Rivera nine years ago and even what he did last year with Chicago and Philadelphia. Let's see if Adam Adovino will be successful, probably in a more specific role of getting righties out and Brooks Raleigh and Drew Smith and everybody else who's a factor in this bullpen. And then, yeah, the trade deadline may be a big deal. And maybe that trade deadline move is what wins you a championship. And I brought up a role as Chapman before Daniel Hudson was a trade acquisition by the Washington Nationals in 2019. Sometimes that bullpen arm that wins you a championship is not on your team in spring training. So I I think that it's going to be a challenge. It's certainly not ideal, but let's not back this truck up and give up on this season. The, The Edwin Diaz excitement and not having it, it's unfortunate. He became my... My oldest son, Jet's favorite player. You know, Jacob DeGrom was his guy. Late last year, he asked, he said, Dad, can I get an Edwin Diaz jersey? He loves the trumpets. He loved all of it. And so for him, it sucks. And for all of us, it sucks. And for anybody who enjoyed the electricity and the hoopla of Narco and the theme song and Timmy Trumpets, yeah, it was was very, very cool. But you know what's also cool? Just having a guy that gets out to the ninth inning. David Robertson can come out to sweet home, sweet home Alabama, and it may not be as cool, and it may not be as exciting, but as long as we don't have closers blowing saves once a week and costing this team games, then we'll be all right. Because a lot of times, you need to be good to even get to your closer. And sometimes, your closer may not make an impact on if you win or lose. And what I mean by that is, our season ending was not... Because of Edwin Diaz, you know, when the New York Yankees lost Mariano Rivera to his horrible injury when he was shagging fly balls in the outfield in Kauffman Stadium in Kansas City, and it happened early in the season, his replacement was Rafael Soriano. And inevitably, every Yankee fan thought, with that, the thing that made us special was Mariano Rivera. Doesn't that sound familiar? Now we're just like everybody else. Yeah, we got a decent closer, but... That's Rafael Soriano. I don't really trust him. I don't trust him. Well, if you go back and look at what happened that season, the Yankees won the division. They won their divisional series against the Orioles. 
And there was an injury that ended their season that year, but it was Derek Jeter. That's when Derek Jeter had his injury against the Tigers. But Rafael Soriano uh, being there and Mariano not being there was not the reason the Yankees lost in the American League Championship Series. It wasn't. The other thing is, there are many stories of guys getting hurt and the team overcoming it and winning anyway. Adam Wainwright, the heart of the St. Louis Cardinals, the life of the St. Louis Cardinals. He wasn't there in 2011 when they won that incredible World Series. So I'll tell you right now, I am not going to sit here and take this crap that they're dead, they're done, they're not that good. it's, It's not reality. The reality is this is a major blow, and they got to overcome it, and it's going to be a challenge. Well, guess what? We got no other choice. Challenge accepted because we got to just fight through it now. Did you hear from Brandon Nimmo today? Did you hear his comments? What did Brandon Nimmo have to say today? So when he was talking about they asked him about it and he said you know i feel you know when i first saw it it was horrible i felt bad for edwin diaz and he was like he he got sad about that he's like edwin diaz is a impactful player he's great and you just feel bad for him because he's so electric but it doesn't change our goal doesn't change our mindset we're still here for the purpose and we're still a great team and that's not going to change what we're planning on to do this year and he was very stone cold it was funny because when he was talking about the injury to Edwin Diaz he kind of was smiling but once he started talking about what what the the team goal is he kind of got stone cold as like it's not changing anything like we are a great team and we're going to prove it and that's the mentality that we as fans need to take on they are still very talented at every other position. We may not have the best closer in the world anymore, but we still have two of the best starting pitchers in the league. We have, hell, we had the top free agent playing center field for us. Uh, our, our shortstop is killing it in the in the World Baseball Classic right now. We still have Pete Alonso. We had over 40 home runs last year. We still have a, uh, we have the batting title winner in Jeff McNeil team. We are still stacked. We are still a oh, good no team. Oh, no question. And, and- I guess this comes down to the old argument about, and this is where war has tried to help us in analyzing players. So I'll ask it. It's basically asking Edwin Diaz's war, but just in a more regular person kind of way, how many wins and how many losses are you gaining or losing based on your closer? And I, and I think it's an interesting question and I'm not trying to knock the importance of Edwin Diaz or Mariano Rivera. I could ask this same question about anybody. I could ask it about, uh, a starting pitcher. I get asked it about a key everyday player. And that is ultimately what Boar is trying to tell you, like how many wins a guy adds to your team. So you could look it up and say, well, Edwin Diaz had a three and a half war. There's your difference. I don't know if it's as easily definable as that. But we have sat here as Met fans and we've watched closers struggle and we've watched closers have dominant seasons. Even Armando Benitez had some dominant seasons. If your closer is blowing, and I think – Uh, Correct me if I'm wrong, Pete. Edwin blew three games last year. They were all very early. The last one being the game against the Giants. That was a devastating loss. They had this incredible comeback, and then they blew it. But I think he blew three saves for the year. If your closer is, let's say it is David Robertson, or it's whomever it is, and you blow eight games, which is double what Edwin Diaz did. It's, It's, you know, it's double and a half, basically. Eight or nine games. But your team's resilient enough to take half of those games that you blew and you win them anyway. 
you've impacted your team's win total by three or four games. Now, that could matter. That could be the difference between winning a division and not winning a division. I fully acknowledge that. But that's not taking a 100-win team and making it an 84-win team. So I don't believe that as impactful as Diaz was last year. And look, there were there would have been games they would have lost if Edwin Diaz was prayed in Looper, obviously. I'm not arguing that. But they don't win 101. What do they win? 93? 95? So it, it it's not the kind of injury. And, and I guess you could argue there isn't any kind of injury in baseball that does this. This is not a quarterback in the NFL. This is not a star player in the NBA. But I don't know if this injury, I know it doesn't, I don't think it takes you from a 100-win team to an 80-win team. And so when we make our predictions next week, I'm going to think about it more. I don't know if my win total is going to be extremely different. Now, now, obviously, here's our fear. And this is where, ultimately, you can play back everything I said today and shove it down my throat. And that's if this season ends on a blown save. If a series turns because of a blown save. And that's a fear because Edwin Diaz, when he pitched in big moments, he was brilliant. Unfortunately, they weren't able to hand him the ball very often during the postseason because they only won one game and didn't, you know, need him in that game necessarily. But they did. I think they actually, I think they used him early in that game, if I'm not mistaken. I think they went to him in the seventh inning. I think they went from Jake to Edwin in game two of the wild card series. Buck went to him very, very early. But that's not there here nor there. Obviously, if this season ends on a blown save, we're going to look back to March 15th and say, that killed us. So I know how this could go and where this can go. But now the Mets have time to figure this out internally and figure this out trade-wise. We know the names, David Bednar, the Pittsburgh Pirates, Daniel Bard of the Colorado Rockies. Uh, don't throw anything at me, uh, Pete. I'm driving a Roldis Chapman at some point of the Kansas City. <laughs> Wait, hold on, hold on, hold on. I do not want a Roldis Chapman. I want to make that clear. But if a Roldis Chapman dominates... Just like Daniel Bard, who came out of nowhere. Just like David Robertson, who came out of nowhere. You can bet your ass his name will be a target because this is what relievers do. Yeah, listen, I mean, I if uh, I, there's nothing that Araldis Chapman could do that I want. I mean, listen, I've seen him blow too many games the past couple of years to even want to touch that. But you're right. There's going to be somebody, a retread that we're never going to see. I mean, geez, Geraldus uh, Familia may, may have a, a – probably not. <laughs> but Familia might come back. I mean, listen, the guy the guy that is is – someone mentioned today, I go, there's no chance of them trading him at all. But Devin Williams, I would – if somehow Milwaukee collapses, he just has too many years of control for Milwaukee to go and just give him away. But that's the guy that I would take, but I think that's just, that's just asking from a too much. symbolic standpoint. You call up Cincinnati and you trade for Edwin's brother, Alexis Diaz. Uh, you play yes. the trumpets every time he comes in and you just, you hope that the story written about the 2023 New York Mets is how Alexis Diaz did it for his brother. Um, I'm not sure the Reds are in any rush to trade him. He's obviously not his brother, but He's a, he's a good young arm that's controllable. 
So from that standpoint, he sort of makes sense. I do want to quickly get to a couple of emails uh, that I got in the last 12 hours, the Rico be at gmail.com. One of which was a crazy idea. The other, other, which was a brilliant idea. The crazy idea was, Hey, Evan. And I apologize because I am driving. We're doing a very special driving home from the show, Rico Bronia. So I apologize to this person. I'll write them back and give them the proper credit. But he said, what about making Max Scherzer the closer? <laughs> I have a better idea. How about Matt Harvey as the closer? Oh, I got that one, too. I got that one, too. <laughs> the other one was a, a really interesting idea about the WBC, because I know that I may be in the minority on this. A lot of Met fans want red meat. They hit the World Baseball Classic. Fine. Uh, one guy says, if a team loses somebody for this amount of time, you know, not a minor injury like Freddie Freeman, who's DHing again, should that team be rewarded a compensatory draft pick? And I actually thought that was a really, really good idea. A way to tell general managers, we understand the risk that you're putting guys in, even though I don't think there's a risk, but you know what I mean? We understand the risk that a guy can come back injured. If a guy spends a certain amount of time on the injured list, we would give you a compensatory first-round pick. I thought that was a great idea. It's not going to make anyone feel better. I get that. Um, but I think it's it's interesting, a way to kind of tell teams who don't want the WBC, they don't want to deal with this kind of stress, they want excuses for guys not to be there, at least say, hey, you get something in return for this. I thought that was a really good idea, Pete. But either way... It is what it is. Edwin Diaz is not coming back. And as Met fans, we just have to deal with it. Uh, we'll do another pod this weekend. We'll probably do a few more pods this weekend reacting to this, more fallout from this. And obviously, as we get you ready for the start of the season, we appreciate you listening. This was also a test drive because Pete and I have talked about doing drive-home podcasts after Met games. So we want to see how this sounds. So if it sounds crappy, let us know. We'll never do it again. <laughs> but we appreciate you listening and downloading Rico Bronya. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Rico Bronya podcast. It's amazing, isn't it? Make sure you download it now to keep it on you at all times.